countdowns give us more notice than uh, <laughs> <our bodies. laughs> Hello and welcome to uh, another episode of the Villa Talks podcast. Welcome to the pre-match social. Uh, AJ there making a joke off air about my lack of preparation for this pod. I've given the boys about six seconds notice about what to uh, talk about this week. So um, bear with us this week. Uh, we're trying a new format. Uh, it's going to be a weekly pod from now on with a with a, sh- a shorter post-match uh, review coming from a few different people uh, immediately after the match from fans at the ground. So um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how today goes. Hopefully it works, uh, but please do bear with us. I'm back with the boys as always, back with the BBB crew. We've got AJ, Sam and Carl. How are you doing, boys? Good, thanks, mate. Yeah, good. Excellent, excellent. How, uh, how, how are you all feeling after uh, the Watford defeat? Deflated still? AJ, AJ over it or? Uh, it's, yeah, it was a bit annoying, wasn't it? It's kind of um, old, old bad habits creeping in. I would say um, exposed some of the weaknesses that a number of us have talked about and been worried about. But there were, some, I did think there were some positives. Not many, but there were some. So we'll, we'll touch, we'll touch on those in a second. We won't spend too long on the Watford game because. Um, well, it's not really a nice one to talk about, but uh, a, f- a few new sections in the pod. Um, so every week we're going to have uh, th- from the stands of Villa Park. So it's a, a new section where the, the weekly news and we'll talk about that. Uh, whatever, the, whatever the sort of top three, four news stories of the week are. We'll have Villa Vault, which is uh, uh, almost like an interlude to the, the preview of the of the next game. And we'll talk about our next opposition and some memories, uh, which we've sort of done in the past. Uh, and then we'll have a hero and villain of the week as well. Um, and, and of course, as always, we'll have AJ with the with the pre-match stat pack. We're going to be calling Yay. it Vital. 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 <laughs> yeah, thanks, AJ. Good uh, enthusiasm there, mate. Uh, we're going to call it Vital Statistics after the, the big breakfast game. I don't know if you'll remember that. Maybe most of you are too young to remember that. But uh, let's let's crack on then. Shall we... Uh, <laughs> Carl's shaking his head like, what the hell? 40. I'm 40, mate. 40, mate. 40. I'm, I'm going to th- be 36 on Friday, so uh, I'm, ca- I'm catching up. Uh, although that's not how it works, is it? Right, let's let's crack on. So we start with the, with the from the stands of Villa Park, the, the news stories of the week. Right, so what were the what were the biggest headlines of the week? So uh, let's have a look at some of the news stories. Obviously, the biggest news story of oh, well of the last week, post our recording of the uh, of the pod last week, was uh, Richard O'Kelly uh, leaving his uh, post as coach at Villa. I'm not sure was he assistant manager, was he a head coach? What was he? I can't remember what his title was. I think they were Ass- all assistant managers. Or assist- yeah, I thought all assistant assistant, coach, assistant two. Assistant. Assistant yeah, to, to the manager, to the regional manager. Yes, it was. Yeah, um, bit of a shock, obviously, after John Terry leaving. Um, uh, apparently, it was in the offing for a while. Dean Smith mentioned that. Uh, well, he intimated that uh, the club had grown beyond Richard O'Kelly, uh, and Richard O'Kelly was thinking about leaving for a few weeks, but sort of stuck in there because uh, Terry had left. So he wanted to obviously help the help the club out by staying a few extra weeks. Uh, Obviously, uh, now we'll see whether we're going to replace him, who we're going to replace him with. Uh, AJ was a bit of bit of a shock to see Richard Kelly leave a couple of couple of games, couple of days before the season. Yeah, it was, and I, I guess it's always been a bit tricky to know exactly who does what in the coaching staff when we've had Shakespeare, Terry, and O'Kelly all with a assistant manager job title effectively. Uh, but for what I've read on this, um, just echoing what you said, really, Omar, that it, he'd kind of. He, he's worked for, with Smith for ten years. Of course, he worked with him at Brentford before, um, and it kind of he'd kind of gone down the pecking order such that he was almost like the the fourth coach really. Um, and I guess uh, he didn't feel like he wanted to to do that that role, and that's that's fair enough. And I think fair play to him for his professionalism uh, in terms of sticking around to help us out with preseason when, especially, I think. Um, with Smith having to isolate for some of that preseason period as well, uh, that was very much needed. And of course, you know, if the decision had already been taken between both parties that he was going to leave, he didn't need to do that. So I think that just shows uh, he's a good professional and obviously a good friend to Smith, having worked with him for a long time. I did think Smith uh, could have chosen his words a little bit more 
carefully in the way yeah. he sort of talked about him having outgrown the out the club had outgrown him. It you know it did make it sound like um, O'Kelly felt like he wasn't up to the job. Where actually I think in reality it was just that the club were bringing in more senior coaches above him, and actually he didn't want that more junior role as opposed to him feeling like he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't do the job at that at that level, which is, I'm sure, not intentionally, but the way Dino phrased it made it sound a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was really weird phrasing, and I was quite surprised by that. And there were there were rumours that he was offered a, an academy role, which, yeah, I mean, given Richard Kelly's experience, you know, uh, it was surprising. But you know, obviously, they it's been based on a, a, a number of things, maybe over the last couple of years, uh, his input with Craig Shakespeare coming in as well. Obviously, Craig Shakespeare basically runs things so you can see that uh, quite clearly in any of the sort of villa tv videos you watch of uh, them training or or, or pre-match stuff uh, you know taking drills etc so it'll be interesting to see what happens obviously austin mcphee's come in as a set piece coach which uh carl's really happy about because hopefully our throw-ins improve mm-hmm. um and we've got neil cutler there as well so you know it's a lot of coaches there already before richard kelly john terry left and uh, you know there is that sort of question is there you know too many chefs and all that kind of stuff but Sam there's there's been there's been a report in the Daily Mail from Tom Colomos or Colomos I don't know how you pronounce his name but he's he seemed to be uh, on the ball with Villa News this this summer he's got a few things right including Ashley Young and and Leon Bailey as well he mentioned that potentially we're going to be looking for a foreign coach uh, a continental coach as he put it coming in so it seems like there's there's someone in mind potentially coming in do you think that's the right route to go down? I don't know really. I mean, I, I, I don't really care about the passport of the of the coach that comes in. And, and I think that um, what's interesting is, you know, are we light in terms of coaches? Um, you know, is 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 Dino taking on a lot? Has he got the right support structure there um, for the season, or or does he and really need an extra pair of hands? And it, and if he does, uh, you know, I think that. Uh, the passport of that particular coach doesn't worry me, um, but I, I think that the the timing of, of uh, O'Kelly's departure, I don't know. It, it just seemed to signal that you know things weren't quite all well at the club, and and, and I guess we spent a lot of um, you know the last three years really thinking that um, you know we've now got a long term plan. The days of Jar are well behind us, and everything seemed to be you know, move into a, along a, predict, a particular trajectory. And then I guess to have this little bomb go off in, in your coaching staff, ju- you know, just a week shy of the season, just seems a little bit out of kilter with what we, we expect. Um, but yeah, I, like you, you, I think you correctly uh, identified the fact that Shakespeare's the top dog there and, uh, and I don't expect that to change, but, you know, I, perhaps we do need a, a, an extra coach in there. I'm, I'm sad that O'Kelly left after all his time in the club. And I, I think he made a good contribution. I'm, I'm surprised that he didn't fancy just being, uh, you know, bibs and bibs and cones man for uh, for another year. Um, <laughs> but, but there you go. Um, well, Terry had gone, so there was a position open in that regard. Oh, oh ouch. Yeah, so, you know, it, it remains to be seen, but uh, I, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, given that um, Shakespeare's been the, uh, the guy that's, perhaps added the most value in terms of the way that we've played and our players developed over the last couple of years that, uh, you know, it's not going to be too much of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm sure it's, well, I'm hoping, I hope it's imminent anyway. Um, I always, always, I was always worried about the number of coaches we had and it, it seemed like every decision, every sub we made, uh, you know, there was about three or four people involved in the decision and it just seemed to take an age. So hopefully we'll we'll get some quicker subs. You know, we we saw three subs come on. Was it three subs come on against Watford? So that was all. That was good to see. Carl's like, I've no idea. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch it. The guy that holds up the lap, hold up the iPad for the sub. I, I was no. I, I was stuck at Birmingham Independent Festival on a Saturday, so I was just getting updates on my phone. So I have watched the highlights. Yeah, good, good mate. Good, well, good to know, mate. Good to know. Let, let's talk about the next news story. Um, a uh, story that uh, about the Las Vegas villains. So uh, apparently, uh, Nassif Suarez and Wes Edens have trademarked the name Las Vegas, Las Vegas villains. This is obviously a, a, a sort of a, a potential hint of an MLS team. Uh, there's been rumours that you know plenty of different people are looking to set up a team in Las Vegas, and and this is the latest rumour to come out. Obviously, this uh, trademark name 
is hinting at potentially something close. Uh, villain spelt in the, the, the traditional sense with an I, not the Aston Villa sense, but obviously a link to uh, to Aston Villa there, uh, given given the ownership of Aston Villa with Suarez and, and Edens. Uh, uh, Carl, are you pretty keen to open a Las Vegas uh, Aston Villa fan club? Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm already working on it. Love, love a little uh, trip to LA to watch the uh, glorious Las Vegas villains with all their glorious history. LA, you'd, better, you'd be better <laughs> off going to Las Vegas to watch them mate than LA, to be honest. But yeah, don't know why I said LA. Uh, <laughs> be a bit closer, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, you can well, definitely I'm, fit both cities can... in one trip. I, yeah, I didn't... You, can dri- you can drive to Las Vegas from LA. It might be a nice little. I also didn't yeah. say I was going to go to the ground to watch it. I was just going to watch it on uh, on a pub <laughs> TV in LA. Much better place. I get. I guess your uh, candidacy for head of Las Vegas Villains has has uh, has faltered, mate. I think. I don't think well, I, I, I'm opening up Los Angeles Villains, so we'll see. All <laughs> oh, right. First. All right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I guess. I guess we'll see. Maybe they're playing Claret Blue as well. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Uh, and then the other big news story, which we sort of touched on last week, um, and it, everyone booed, uh, and, and it seems to be received negatively. Is that the well? There's been a couple of tie-ups uh, and partnerships. So. Monster Energy was announced today, our yes. official official <laughs> energy drink sponsor. Uh, like there was, it's you know too many choices really. It's not going to be Red Bull, was it? Let's be honest. Um, unless it was like Tesco own brand. There is so. there is one called um, and sorry, it's going to seem X rated, but it's the name of the drink. There's one called Pussy, so I can yes. kind of understand why we haven't gone down that route. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously the the bigger one. Uh, which was received negatively was Socios, the cryptocurrency sort of fan engagement uh, platform, which has been around for a few years and a few clubs have, have dipped their toes in West Ham being one, Inter Milan being another, uh, some big clubs being involved. Not really entirely sure about this one, AJ. What, what's been your thoughts on this? Obviously, there's been an article in The Athletic about it uh, today or yesterday. What, what's your feeling on it? Yeah, I mean, well, we said last week, didn't we, that we were pretty unimpressed with... Um the the board the owner's decision or whoever's decision Perslow whoever's decision it was to finally sign off on these things to to do it and I think there's a there's a couple of bits um, that a couple of negative things around it I mean the first and obvious one is that fans could put their money in it and that money is very much at risk uh, there's kind of two layers of risk in there one is you buy the you buy the tokens for your club, and then the idea is that the fortunes of your club determine whether those tokens increase in value or, or not. But it's it's like the stock market; it's it's trading effectively. Um, so if you look at what happened when PSG signed Messi, you'd expect the news of the signing to cause the socio tokens to go through the roof for PSG. But what actually happened was they increased on the rumours that he was going to sign. And then as soon as he was, as soon as he signed, they fell away again. And the same thing happened when Atletico Madrid won the league. What's going on there is traders who are not fans of football clubs and buying those tokens for a reason to engage with their club and vote on uh, generally spurious things, but uh, vote on things to engage with the club. It's just traders trying to make money. So uh, on the rumours of those things happening, you expect the prices of those things to go up. So those smart traders buy, encourage other fans to buy, and then they all sell at the peak and uh, people lose money. That's one layer of risk, just the trading of the tokens. Then the other problem is that you can't just buy those tokens with your sterling. You've got to buy um, chilies, which is a cryptocurrency, in order to buy the tokens for your club. And of course, tri- chilies. Uh, guess who owns those? The same people that owns Socios owns <laughs> owns chilies, and they are openly traded on cryptocurrency markets. And cryptocurrency is completely unregulated. Uh, that you know, so there's no controls. There's no FCA guarantees or regulation or like anything like that that you get where you, when you invest your money else elsewhere. Um, so there's no regulation there. And again, people are trading those up and down so if you put 50 quid into your villa tokens uh there's two layers of risk around uh when you try and get that money out one is the value of the tokens itself and whether that's gone up and down and then when you try and convert that back into chilies whether that has gone up and down uh or not um 
as well. So there's all kind of risk uh, attached to it. Um, you know, there's all kinds of terrifying statistics in this uh, article from the from the Athletic today. The owners have taken out eighty three million dollars since March this year. The owners of Socios and, and Chili's, so they're obviously making a pretty penny. There are nine billion chilies in circulation. The owners still hold three billion of them, so that allows them to manipulate the, the market for those uh, as well. Another thing is that Stanley Choi, who bought Wigan off uh, Whelan and then bankrupted and relegated them, was originally involved in the founding of these companies. Now, they say he's no longer involved, uh, but you never know because the ownership is not transparent. Now, the flip side of it and why the club have done it is that they say they've generated $100 million of money for their partners uh, since uh, they since they set up Socios. They don't specify who and where it's gone or whatever, but there's obviously revenue in it for the, for the clubs. And, you know, you need to generate more revenue if you want to be more successful as a football club. But the problem is it feels like this is potentially at the expense of fans trying to engage with their club and losing money um, off the back of it and then also the, the 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 argument that it's a fan engagement thing is kind of spurious when you look at clubs that have been doing it for a while you know the sort of things that they get to vote on are not the sort of things that fans really care about like should we have safe standing in the ground or you know uh, what should our transfer policy be those things that supporters trusts engage on it's like what motto should we have written on the captain's armband it's like totally spurious so there's no real fan engagement there either so Overall, it's a rogan, and I would suggest you avoid it. Yeah, so so just to clarify, you're saying it's a load of old horseshit that yeah. fans uh, should stay away from, and the club should have stayed away from as well. Unless you're unless you're an expert cryptocurrency trader, in which case you might be able to make a few quid. But if you're not, um, then I would suggest you steer clear. But even the experts get it wrong. And let's be honest, uh, crypto oh, yeah. mar- crypto market is. All based on sentiment, on the rumor and news, which I know to an extent the stock market is as well, but even more so because it's unregulated and information isn't out there. You know, things like social owners owning a big chunk of the the currency already and being able to pump and dump, um, it, it's just a big no no. And and you know, some fans will say, well, you know, you don't have to engage, you don't have to get involved, but it, it's Aston, it's linked to Aston Villa. It's uh, on the face of it, it seems like an innocent thing. And you will get naive people who don't know any better uh, through no fault of their own who will get involved and end up losing money. And it I, I just not, doesn't sit right with me. It's not the kind of thing an Aston, Aston, Villa, Aston Villa football club or any football club that's based on the community, the heart of the community, looking to do the right things. A club that's done the Acorn sponsorship does so, so much good in the community to, to do. I don't, it doesn't sit right with me. And, and apparently, you know, I was, I was listening to My Old Man's Head podcast um, uh, yesterday and... Uh, David Michael, who's who runs that, he goes to a lot of these supporters group meetings with with Perslow, and he mentioned that Perslow, eighteen months ago, said they would never get involved with it. It wouldn't be something we'd be interested in, and, and obviously, there's been a U-turn. So again, that doesn't sit right with me. Obviously, we're looking to increase revenues. You know, people want us to spend thirty, forty million pounds on a defensive midfielder, and, and revenue's got to come from somewhere. But I just think there's better avenues, like you know, the energy drink, for example. And gambling companies, that kind of stuff, you know, not not amazing, not something I really want, but I understand it. This, I just don't get it at all. But anyway, let's let's push on. Um, just bri- just briefly, mate, before you do, just with yeah. my day job day hat day job hat on as a sort of marketing research type type person who deals a lot with with brands sponsorship works works two ways right yes you get the money off it but it's not just about the money you are effectively going into a partnership with a company you're endorsing them and it works both ways so you know kazoo gets a benefit from all the exposure that he gets get from us but by agreeing to have that on your shirt you're effectively endorsing that that brand and it reflects poorly on us to uh, not uh, to be associated with a brand like like Socios, uh, regardless of the revenue that it might generate for us, and I think they need to think about that long term standing of Aston Villa as a football club, and yes, as a brand, uh, as well as how much money is this going to generate for us as a business? Yeah, no, I agree completely. Yeah, that's good. Good insightful comments there, AJ. Thank you. Let's uh, let's push on then. We've got still got to go through the the well, Newcastle preview. We'll come into that last, I think. But let's let's go to hero and villain of the week, uh, and we'll start with villain of the week, Carl. I've uh, I've told you about two minutes before the pod that this was your bag. What you got for me? Um, 
Well, it's going to be based around uh, the media. And I, I've got a feeling the media might pop up on this a, a few times over the course of the season. But this mm. one is uh, specifically two media sources around uh, us signing Caleb Chukwameka. Or as Sky Sports News said, Northampton had bought Chukwameka from us. I think they'd thought that they'd bought Carney from us. Um, so they got that completely wrong. There was only one fact there that they needed to get right. The Daily <laughs> Star, the Daily Star went one worse by having two facts in in um, one paragraph about this um, signing. Um, I'll read it for you directly. Um, Villa will be boosted by the arrival of Northampton Town midfielder Caleb Chukwemeka. There's fact one that's wrong. Um, who signed on Monday in a move worth £30 million. Wow. <laughs> Can you play defensive midfield? It's a very, very expensive signing. Uh, Northampton must be absolutely thrilled to uh, have that. That's a money gone, <laughs> Yeah. So, to, be um, fair, to be fair, it did say undisclosed transfer amount, didn't it? So maybe. It yeah, well, I mean, yeah. We can't be sure that this is completely <laughs> false. We can only be sure that they got his position wrong. Um, but yeah, as I say, th- there's one other thing I want to mention, and it kind of surrounds um, the media, um, but I'm also going to put it in Villain of the Week, and I'm going to shoehorn it in. And it was the, um, the quote that I read from um, Grealish. Um, and I know, and the reason I'm putting it in here is because it, it, clearly he answered it in a way, um, depending on how the question was asked. But he said, um, with no disrespect to Villa, ultimately, um, the, their players are shit and I'm playing with much better players now. And there's no need for him to say that, is that? I mean, we all know. We all know that. There's no need to say that. And also, anyone who starts off a sentence with uh, with no disrespect, yeah. immediately following is going to be an awful amount of disrespect. So, yeah, and I don't I don't completely blame him um, for it because he was probably asked how it compares the two, but I just... Um, so that's why I'm shoving it in there. The person who asked, the, asked him the question is... Definitely part of the media in 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 some way. So well, um, well do, do you know? Do you know? I actually, I actually know where it came from. So um, I was, I was the same when I saw this, and I thought, oh, you know, there's a dot 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 there. Obviously, they've they've sort of stitched different quotes together and made it sound like sound it worse, sound it like it's worse than it was. And you know, Amazon Prime are trying to get clicks and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, oh yeah, whatever. But then I watched the Jolene Lescott interview uh, with with jack riddish which is what man city did which is obviously another hated figure amongst villa fans and it actually came from there so that that's where the interview that's where they've, they've stitched it from and i i mean i've heard i've heard some villa fans say oh you know he didn't mean it like that you know they just make it sound worse than it is but actually if you watch the interview Grealish just sort of out of his own will starts talking about being doubled up and tripled up for villa and now he's going to be playing with better players it won't happen, which is true. Obviously, Man City. It is true. Much, it's true. It is. It's completely true. It is true. But there was just no need to get Villa involved in that. And, no. and his, his ex-teammates, it is a bit disrespectful in my eyes. Well, so. uh, well, I'm shoving Lescott in here as well then for being for the being a fucking pocket tweeting wanker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just going <laughs> to shove him in there. I know it didn't happen this week, but yeah, that's fine. Well, we'll keep him in. Lescott can stay stay in Berlin the week, to be honest. Uh, for for the. It could be called the Jolie and Lescott <laughs> villain of the week, to be fair. Yeah. All right, let's do that. Lescott of the week. <laughs> right, uh, Sam, uh, this will hopefully touch on nicely to some some thoughts on the, on the Watford game. Uh, who's your hero of the week? Well, I think my hero of the week is that um, that Watford fan who painted that uh, Graham Taylor mural. I thought it was a fantastic mural. Um, and I actually thought that the relationship... Uh, between the Villa fans that went to um, Watford and Vicarage Road at the weekend uh, was great. Uh, I think we were um, very respectful when there was a little montage of the Hornets that they'd lost um, over the uh, pandemic. And then obviously we were uh, very complimentary about that mural. And I think Graham Taylor's a lovely touchstone uh, between the two clubs. So yeah, I think the hero of the week, heroes of the week, if you like, were... uh, the Villa fans that went to Vicarage Road and that particular Watford fan that, that painted that fantastic mural. I, li- I like murals generally. I'd like to see more of them. And I thought that was a, that was a cracker. Yeah, that was lovely. A really nice touch. And you're, you're right, there does seem to be a good, a decent connection, even though we set Watford down uh, with Graham Taylor. Uh, obviously, that connection there. And, and 
you know, it was Graham Taylor Day or, you know, whatever it was called, Match Day. Uh, it, it's fantastic to see. And just a nice little story, you know, a, a bit of positive news amongst a, a week of rumours and gossips and clickbait articles. So, yeah, nice to see, which brings us on nicely to the to Watford game. And um, I actually listened to Troy Deeney, to, well, I don't know if it was today or whenever it was, uh, talking on Talk Sport about the Villa game. And he said he was quite disappointed in Villa at the weekend because he'd went to he, he'd actually gone to watch uh, Villa Warsaw in a pre-season friendly so for a guy who hates Villa and is a, is a blues guy he does like to talk about Villa a lot but you know I think there is a bit of mutual appreciation there but he said he, he, he reckoned not that, for me uh, I don't appreciate him <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah, speak for, your, speak no, for yeah. yourself on the I, mutual I don't appreciation I, I'm, all right maybe it's me I, I don't mind him I honestly don't mind him I think there is I, I, you know, he scores against us all the time but you know whatever it is what it is there's plenty of players who score against Villa all the time uh, but true. he he was talking he was talking about Ollie Watkins and how we missed him and couldn't get him behind and lacked pace and we played in front of Watford a lot and they just sort of set up a bank of four and and we really struggled against them and it was quite interesting comments and he, he just said he expected more from Villa and, and I think we all did you know we were all pretty positive going into the game positive going into the season albeit there was that little thing in the back of all of our minds that pre-season hadn't been great we've talked about Richard Kelly already John Terry leaving various different injuries Jack leaving the saga around Grealish Grealish yes oh sorry yes not Jack Grealish and uh, and and obviously our signings coming in a little bit later than than expected as well AJ a few days on I don't want to spend too much time on the Watford game but what are your general thoughts on sort of the the good stuff and the bad stuff coming out of that game well, I'll start on the positives because um, there aren't many, so it won't take long. Uh, but I thought all three subs that came on um, did have an impact and uh, looked good. And Leon Bailey in particular, I thought, looked like a threat every time he got the ball. He looks like he can use both feet, which I think some of the stats have suggested as as well. I think you might have had a stat on that last week, Omar. Um you know he can go outside on his left and, and cross it in, and obviously that's what um, happened with the first uh, with 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 the first goal. Um, and he just looks he looks very good um, on on the ball. So I thought he was good. I also thought Ramsey was good when he came on and did add something, a bit of uh, dynamism and a bit more solidity. And again, Carl mentioned last week that he thought he'd bulked up in pre-season. It's the first time I've seen him, and I, I agreed to that. He did look bigger and and stronger, and looks like he's. You know, ready to be in a uh, an, a grown men's first team as opposed to you know a kid that's just breaking out of the youth the youth system. And I thought Troy is very good um, as well. Obviously, won the penalty. Disappointing news that it seems he's been injured in a in a friendly behind closed doors. Um, although I don't know if the club's actually confirmed that yet, but it's certainly lots of uh, noise around that around that happening. Uh, and of course, we've talked a lot about how we want to have more possession of the football, and we did have sixty one percent possession didn't do very much with it but we did so there were, I think there were a few positives to take from the game but overall it was a very disappointing performance and I thought we looked naive it reminded me there's two things it reminded me of one particularly worryingly is it sort of reminded me of what we were like in 1920 uh, before the lockdown when we sort of got a bit more pragmatic and sorted ourselves out. We're I thought just... you meant the year 1920. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, no, the season, 1920 season. The glory uh, well, not Yeah, we were Yeah, we were still winning every other um, league title back in those days, weren't we? Um, but I, yeah, I, I thought we were wide open and there's far too much space between the lines and that obviously left us uh, open to their counter and they scored early which exacerbated the the problem and we saw even last season where we would where we, we did pretty well um if a team scored early against us we didn't always have an answer in terms of how to break them down so it reminded me a bit of that which is obviously worry and it also reminded me uh, of what we did to some teams last season so if you think about Arsenal away uh, Liverpool in the 7-2 where those teams kind of underestimated us a little bit tried to be a bit too expansive and we just killed them on the break and that's sort of what happened to us and I think that that big space that we left particularly in the midfield um, uh, exacerbated the problem that we've talked about around the personnel in there and whether we've got the right players to play to in that in that area I think if we're more compact then it's that we can get away with that uh, but when we're wide open with big gaps between the lines there you know th- those guys are, are just not going to cover the ground and I, I mentioned last last week um, if we're going to get the best out of Buendia then 
we've got to play a different way. We've got to be better with the ball. We can't be just pumping it in the channels. And all right, we were missing Watkins, who would have converted some of that into good possession. But Buendia is not a player that you know is going to do what Jack does and pull those balls down out of the air and take people on. We've got to play it into his feet in good areas. And he was he was poor, but I don't think he had good service. We only generated 1.1 of XG and we had a penalty, which is 0.8. So basically we only generated 0.3 of XG in the whole game, despite having 61% possession. We had 11 shots, but seven of those came from outside of the, the box. And the only shot on target all game was McGinn's, was McGinn's goal. So yeah, lots of poor, lots of poor stuff. Actually, for all I've said, um, uh, I thought Bailey was good when he came on. A lot of the discussion around the new signings has been about our ability to keep the ball better upfield. But if you look at the combined pass completion of Triore, Bailey, Ings, Buendia and El Ghazi, it was only 71%. And Triore was pretty good. He was 80-odd percent. So if you take him out, it was down to 68%. So in those advanced areas... Uh, and I think partly because the the ball the, the coming into players in those advanced areas was not um, good enough or short enough. We were, you know, we were really poor in attacking in attacking areas um, and left ourselves exposed at the back. So yeah, uh, not much more to say than that. Other, you know, poor performance really. Yeah, well, well summed up. I, th- I do think you know when I saw Young and El Ghazi in the wings, and although it was nice to see a bit nostalgic to see Ashley Young in the left wing. Our guys in the right, we know it doesn't work really for Villa. It doesn't work for him. It's just not the right idea. I was quite surprised at that, and and I think a lot of it broke down from those area, wide areas as well. And they didn't, they didn't really help with the pressing as well. So the front four stayed. You know, you talked about the big gaps. The front four stayed quite high up the pitch, but didn't really press with any intensity, which meant that the two in midfield uh, were sort of isolated. And then the, our defence was really deep because we were worried about the pace of Saar and and Seymour and Dennis as well, who are all quick players. So it's just, you know, there's massive gaps exposed. We saw that with the first goal with Target going up for a header and then suddenly then being through on goal. And then the second goal as well. It just just wasn't a good day at the office. Second half, you talked about some positives there. But but Sam, you know, this is sort of not a common occurrence, but it is there is a theme running here where, you know, the likes of McGinn and Nakamba can play as a two in, in games like Chelsea and Spurs last season where we don't have much of the ball where we're, we're, we're trying to be tight and compact, as AJ mentioned, and, and sort of spring counters. But in games where we're, tr- we're trying to dictate the tempo and trying to you know make things happen, where we do have a lot of the ball, we do seem to struggle. And it's happened over the last couple of seasons, even with Jack being there. How, how, how do we go around fix, fixing that now going forward? Is, do you think James Ward-Prowse is the answer to that? Yeah, um, I think that uh, it was definitely an issue. And I, and I think that... Um, you know, it would. We'd all like to keep the ball more in the middle of the park. Uh, whether or not that means you need an extra body in there in order to keep the ball and, and get a toehold in terms of possession, I'm not sure. I think we've spoken a lot about um, the need to get a CDM. Um, does that need to be a kind of tough tackling, all action, Angisa Bissuma type? Uh, would James Ward-Prowse or someone like that, who you know the lad can tackle, don't get me wrong, but obviously he does a, uh, you know he's he, he's uh, you know he's he's got other areas where he contributes a lot more, but um, you know he's not really known for his tackling. I'm not sure, and obviously you know we've got someone who does put in a, a shift in terms of tackling in the shape of Nakamba, but he's not really going to help you keep the ball. So it's a it's a balancing act in there. Um, I do think we need more presence and I think as you pointed out and as lots of people pointed out and you know there's the quality of the uh, analysis that you see on Twitter by the way these days um, with kind of pictures showing you where the space was and what was going wrong and how we set up and, uh, and you know how they were able to find uh, the gaps it's really outstanding actually it's, 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 it's like a footballing education every week these days which is, which is great um, but yeah I mean I, I'm not sure what the answer is um, I think that it seems odd to me that um, we were in for James Ward-Prowse, but now there's a sense that maybe the business is done. I think if you're after a £40 million midfielder, that suggests that there's a gap there that needs plugging, that needs uh, you know a problem that needs fixing. So then to say, OK, well, we can't get JWP, so that's it now. Um, we, you know, we'll go with what we have. Uh, that worries me slightly. You know, the other thing, and I think this has been well covered, but um, I think it's going to be a, a weekly debate unless something happens, is that, you know, we've got Buendia, we've got Bailey, we've got Ings, and Ollie Watkins had an outstanding season last year. Those four players, 
don't want to be rotated. They're not squad players. They're all going to play, all right? That If those four play, essentially, you're only going to have two midfielders behind them. Um, if that's McGinn and A and other, does that A and other need to be, uh, you know, an, an upgrade on what we have? We've talked about Sanson. Um, you know, maybe he'll turn out to be that player. And if we, I think, Omar, you made the, the excellent point that if we'd just signed this lad from Marseille, who was really impressed, impressing people in the Champions League and who AVB didn't want to lose you know perhaps we'd be a little bit more sanguine about uh, about the whole thing um, but as things stand I am a little bit worried uh, because we've got you know those four pushing on are we just going to be hopelessly exposed on the break it's I, 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 yeah it's a concern are we going to be a little bit like uh, Spurs of the of the mid 90s you know with their famous five who was it Barby Klinsman Sheringham Dumitrescu Anderton, I think that was the famous five, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we've got a bit of a famous four plus no, John, famous four plus John McGinn, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's a concern. Yeah, uh, uh, Carl, I mean, let's look forward now to the Newcastle game. Before we we sort of delve into the stats uh, behind the game, we've talked off air on, on our WhatsApp forum about this two man midfield and and this front four and how they're going to fit in. Danny Ings more often than not for Southampton either played as a sort of a short striker as, as Smith has called it which is basically just a you know sort of a sort of a deep lying striker almost like a number 10 but not quite or 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 sort of coming in from wide wide positions can you see Villa making it work and, and do you see there's any 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 sort of credence to what Sam's saying about the midfield needs to be better um well I think it I think it probably can work um and you're going to have to hope that it does because I think that's the way he's going to be playing with um, Ing sort of just behind. And I don't want to call it a number 10. What does Smith refer to it as a short striker? Short, short striker, yeah. Um, I've not heard that phrase before. Um, I still don't really understand what it means. But um, I, I see the reason we... I think we bought Ings in. He's, he's a good player that we can put in if Watkins is injured and he can, he can be our striker. He's not great as... Uh, up there on his own, but um, he can do that. But I think the main reason we brought him in is to play with Watkins and play like he did for Southampton behind um, Shea Adams. Um, so I think it, that's the reason we brought him in. I think it can work, and I really hope it does because I think for the majority of the season that's um, going to how going to be how we're playing. Um, and if that is the case, I do think um, I, I've. I, it's this. It's this word. A, a big presence in midfield, and and McGinn is that in many ways, but not in the defensive way that we want. And mm. is Douglas Louise that uh, player? I don't think he is. Not as a two. Um, Nakamba, I, I think is. I, I think off the ball. Um, I think he's great. As soon as he, as soon as the ball comes near him, I, he, he seems to panic. Um, he, he never seems to know how much time he has on the ball, whether that's he thinks he has more than he has or whether he, he, he panics when there's no need to. Um, if you look at our other midfielders, so you've got Chukwameka, um, Sanson. Um, Ramsey. Who? Ramsey. Ramsey. Um, Jacob Ramsey. I would say on... on um, on Saturday, I'd probably stick with Nakamba and McGinn again. And that seems ridiculous, really, where that is really where everything kind of fell down on Saturday. Um, but I think I would. I, I do think Ramsey's going to be used quite a lot this season. Now, going back to Sam's point about why were we, why did we want James Ward-Prowse? And, I, and he mentioned 40 million. I think that's what it was suggested that Southampton wanted. I don't know whether we ever bid that. I, I don't, I don't actually know if we've ever bid for him, but you know, there's enough no, rumors out I there. I think we have bid for him, but, but you're right that 40 million is a number that we haven't bid, but that, yeah, you know, that would probably be the sort of figure you might no, get. Of course. And so if we're, if we're, if we, I don't know whether that's us seeing him and going, there's a player we'd have, but only for the price that we want to pay. And if we don't get him, then we're happy to stick with what we've got. Um, I don't know whether it's a case of we don't get him. It's clear that there's this massive gaping hole. I, I don't know. Um, I do feel like, and it's again saying this word presence, that we need someone in there. And um, 
there's some Villa fans on Twitter who have this obsession with tall um, defensive midfielders. Um, I'm not. I'm not one of those. Uh, if we, if we could... African defensive midfielders as well. It always yeah. has to be an African player that they want. I mean, if we get Kante, um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's what, he's five, five foot? He's no, enough, I mean, me. I'd be happy with him. But I do feel like if we're going to play the way that it looks like we're going to be playing this season, I feel like there's a bit of a a bit of a bit space there that I think we might get punished um, throughout the season if we don't plug it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I think I think we all recognise there's a need for a midfielder. That's why we've been linked with so many. Why we're interested with Jamie Will Prowse? I'll be interested to see what Sanson does. You know, or Sanson. You know, he, he you, you know, as Sam said. You know, we talked about this before. You know, if you'd if we'd sign him now, then people would be a lot happier. He, but he is like a number eight type of player. He's not really a, a player who's going to dictate uh, the tempo, which is I, it's more, much more than a presence or a big unit. I think we need someone who can get hold of the ball. And what we didn't see against Watford was was make things happen from a sort of a deep lying midfield position and be, get about the pitch well. You know, have that energy, and that's what James Will Prowse does really bring. But whether we get that type of player or not, I, I guess we'll see. But uh, you know, we, we do have plenty. We've got plenty of options there, midfielders, whether they're good enough or not. That, that's the key. And I guess I guess we'll see. When Louise coming back in, if you can find that form again, is he that right type of player? Not really sure. I hope we sign a, a, a player, but I don't think our recruitment team are just going to go spend forty-five million on James Ward-Prowse when it's not good value because everything they do. Should. Yeah, exactly. I, don't, I think everything they do is calculated. You know, Danny Ings is probably the only exception where they thought, right, we need someone. Jack Jack Grealish is gone. We need someone who can make an immediate impact, who's already playing at the top level, uh, as well the top of their standard already, rather than someone who's going to get better and better each year. And that's what they're doing with Danny Ings. But I think more often than not, the type of players we go for are players that can improve and add value. And then, the, you know, we might be able to sell them or, you know, tie them up to long-term contracts or whatever, because that's, that's how you're going to build a sustainable football club at the end of the day. Also, we can't afford to spend 40 million. We've just spent 30 million on Caleb Chukwameka Chuk- from Northampton. <laughs> <laughs> True. He is, True. A mid- he is a midfielder though. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He's, I yeah, think um, just on whether they're, whether they're good enough, the midfielders, I think we should be careful not to talk uh, players down too much in the sense that I think there's some very good midfielders in there. I think they're all just a bit too similar. Like, so I think there's just not there's just not two that you can play together. Oh, we've effective. sorted. Yeah, we've sorted one of the two. We we can account for three injuries, and we're still sorted with the one of the two uh, position uh, midfield positions. It's just that other yeah. one. I mean, if you could yeah. stick Patrick Vieira in 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 there, sorted. Yeah, he's nice and tall as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Lovely, nice, nice legs. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Really long legs. Lovely. No, but it's, I, I always said a combination of Nakamba or Louise would be would be perfect in my eye. Someone like who can do that defensive role, but then can also, you know, play those progressive passes and get 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 the play going. Yeah, that's the kind of player we need in my eyes. Yeah, I, I just think that um, you know, AJ, you said you wouldn't spend forty five million on James Ward Prowse. You know, I think that if we wanted him. Um, we were willing to spend 25 million, given what he can give you at set pieces, given that, uh, you know, he's obviously, uh, you know, a really high quality player. Yeah, I think we've got money. We have money. Obviously, we've got the Jack Grealish money. I think there will come a point where you have to say, well, we've identified this as a problem in the team. The players that we've got can't quite uh, fit into the uh, pattern that we're trying to establish. And actually... You know, if he's a player that's really going to make a difference, perhaps an extra ten million needs to be thrown down. And I think that if we don't do it, we're in danger of you know not being able to hit fifty-five points this season. Perhaps going backwards a little bit in terms of uh, league placing, and then the project just takes a little bit of a step back, just because we're trying to be too parsimonious with the Grealish money. I just fear that that's where we could end up uh, if we you know if we're going to be a bit stingy over the next couple of weeks. But it remains to be seen anyway. Yeah, it's a it's a fair fair point. I do think Smith and the owners are being a bit coy about transfers. You know, they don't really they don't, if they went out there and said, "Oh, yeah, we need a midfielder," then and obviously that puts us in a, a poor bargaining position where we say we're comfortable with what we've got. Then it, you know, obviously it's paints a different picture. But you know, there's been plenty of times over the last eighteen months where we've said one thing and done another. You know, we said we didn't really need a striker; they wanted to give Wesley a chance, and they signed Ings. They said we didn't need an attacking midfielder when we signed Barkley last year. So. I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm not going to judge it until the end of the window and then, and then we'll see what happens after that. But let's let's move on to the Newcastle game in a bit more detail then. So uh, our new, well, not really a new feature, new name for a feature, Vital Statistics. 
Yeah, so we'll start with a head-to-head like we usually do. Um, played these guys a few more times than we have Watford, uh, which was only 25, if you remember. 167 times we've played uh, Newcastle. 57 wins and 71 losses. So they're further ahead than I thought they would be. Um, Watford are ahead of but, us now as well, aren't they? After yeah, that they month? are. <laughs> yeah. We haven't got many uh, good head-to-heads. Um, but, but, on the positive side, we are unbeaten against them in the last four with two wins and two draws. And we've only lost twice to them in the last ten, although there are no other wins. So, uh, there's a lot of draws in that, in that period before the last four games. We are unbeaten against them in six home games. So, you've got to go back to 2013 uh, for the last time we lost to them, which was a 2-1 loss. Um, ben Arthur and Goufran for them and Ben Teke for us. Um and also, and uh, credit to Carl for asking me this one, so, which is why I've got this stat, that game was also the last time any of their players scored against us at Villa Park. They did score against us at, in 2016, but it was a Tommy Elphick own goal. So they have not scored via one of their players against us at Villa Park since 2013. So the head-to-head is reasonably positive um, in the last few years, which is which is unusual. Uh, in terms of what to expect, well, it's Bruce Ball, isn't it? So I think we know very well what to expect, um, but we could look at last season's stats for a little bit of that. So they were the sixth worst on XG last season. Their expected goals were only 41. Uh, they did a little bit better in terms of actual goals. They scored 46, but uh, only only 41 XG. They were the second lowest um, in terms of possession last season. Only West Brom had less possession than them and only by half a percent as well. So they only averaged 38% possession last season. And unsurprisingly for Bruce Ball, uh, they were second highest in terms of the number of long passes, the share of long passes that they had amongst their passes, uh, and second smallest uh, share of short passes, and in the bottom five in terms of overall pass completion. So they do not look after the ball very well. Uh, obviously, they didn't score many goals, but Wilson, as you know, is top scorer. He scored 12. And then Willock with eight, with obviously that late burst at the end of the season when some people were on the beach. And apparently that makes him worth £22 million. But there we go. Um, obviously, San Maximan is the man to watch out for. He missed a lot of last season, but still second most assists in the team with four behind Wilson, who got five to go with his 12 goals. Uh, and if you look at his goal creating actions per 90 it was 0.58 so you know involved in more than half a goal a game in the games that he played which when you consider they only scored uh, not a lot over a goal a game um, all season is pretty good just for context Grealish and uh, De Bruyne who are top of that list were 0.86 so he's not quite at that elite level goal creating action uh, of those kind of guys but 0.58 it is pretty decent. It's not good enough for sort of top ten players, but it's it's up there. So as as you would expect from watching Newcastle, he's the man to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's very much uh, as you say, Bruce Ball. It's sort of uh, have a have a rough formation and then and hope some individual brilliance gets you out of a hole. And and we sort of saw that at the beginning of the of the West Ham game where they started fairly well and Sir Maxim was was fantastic. Really, it was it was you know it was it was picking up space all over the shop picking the ball from deep running at players fantastic talent um, but then Bruce lack, lack of tactics was was there to see and Football Insights is a sort of a new Twitter account that's come out which did a good uh, piece on, on this about how you can how Villa can exploit Newcastle and is very much getting behind the, the sort of the fullbacks to play this 3-5-2 exposing the pace of the of the centre backs like Kieran Clark, who obviously we're all familiar with, and and making sure John Joe Shelby doesn't get too much time in the ball and, and sort of turning him almost back towards goal because he's a very poor defender. We've seen us batter Newcastle in recent years, uh, as AJ sort of alluded to. But interesting to see the lineup for this uh, for this uh, for this game. Obviously, there's been a few poor performances in, in the Watford game. Sam, how would you line up? What would you, you know, would you look at sort of the key positions out on the wing, up front with potentially Watkins coming back in, left back with Target having a poor game? What, what are your thoughts on, on the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that given that Target was, you know, exposed against Saar, and, you know, I was 
Target's biggest fan last season. I think he's a really cultured uh, left back. I think that he overlaps so well. He can give a lot going forward. Um, he's a great player, you know. But he didn't look ready, did he? And and that's probably no fault of his own. You know, we didn't have a proper pre-season. And obviously, a lack of a proper pre-season isn't going to affect all players equally. So it will affect some more than others. And, and I think that the suggestion last week was that uh, Matty Target is a little off the pace. So I think throwing him in there to, uh, you know, try and handle a red-hot Alisson Maximan, I don't know if that's really going to be a good idea. Um because if he's getting roasted two games running, that can really knock his confidence. And I, I, would, I don't really want to see that. But, you know, maybe he's trained really well this week. I'm not sure if he played in the behind closed doors friendly against Liverpool. If he played in that, maybe that's helped him. So I, I, I'm open to him coming back in. But if it was up to me, I think I'd uh, play Young at left back. Um, other than that, I think the uh, other the rest of the back four uh, picks itself... Um, and I think I'd go with the front four, you know. I think I'd, um, I think I'd pick, uh, you know, I, I think I'd go Bailey starting the wide left. I think I'd go Buendia wide right. Uh, and I'd go Watkins up front with Ings in behind. The two I would pick would probably be McGinn and Ramsey, actually. Um, I think to reward Ramsey for uh, doing well when he came, in, came on. And uh, I think McGinn scored a cracking goal and obviously he's got, plenty going forward I just think that against Newcastle uh, they they are so poor at the back I just think we can probably back ourselves to have too much going forward for them to live with and if we let a goal in on the break so be it Um, but I do think that we should be able to overpower them so I think that's the the, the team I'd go with uh, and whilst accepting that it might be a little bit too open for some I think against Newcastle it's not such a problem Um, so that's so that's what I'd do Um, yeah, I don't know what, what 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 you think of that, Omar, or whether you'd try and tighten that up slightly. But yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. Really fair, fair comments. I think long term, whether it's a long term solution or not, I think it remains to be seen. Um, against, uh, let's be honest, a poor Newcastle team with, with some dangerous players, but a poor Newcastle team on the whole, I think we can afford to to, to go in that sort of formation. The two, I'm, I'm unsure. It depends if Louise is up to speed or not, or how he's feeling after the the. The Olympics and, and the Copa America, whether he'll play. Ramsey did impress. I like him there, but whether he's better than a three, I, yeah, I, I, it remains to be seen. I guess, I guess we'll see, but I definitely think we can go attacking. And I like to see Bailey and Buendia playing and Buendia sort of picking those spaces. It does seem to, you know, he does like that sort of number 10 position, but almost coming in from the right and picking those spaces up rather than playing in that number 10 position from the off. So we'll, we'll see. Carl, your thoughts on, on the match, how you think it's going to go and, and finally your, your prediction? Um. I, I think, I think it'll be a quite a high-scoring game. Uh, I don't think we'll be seeing a nil-nil. Um, I think we're going to be playing very open. I'd pretty much go for uh, Sam's team, except I'd I'd stick with uh, Target at left back, um, and I'm not sure about the other one next to McGinn. It'd either be Nakamba or Ramsey um, or Louise if he, if he's fit. I'm not really sure, but I'd go with the same front four. Um, I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think Newcastle are extremely poor at the back. Um, I mean, it's going to be if uh, they're still playing Kieran Clark there. Um, so, yeah, high-scoring game. Um, I think we'll win by a couple of goals. I think I think I can see a 4-2 on the cards. Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. That'd nice. be good. That'd Good old four nice. two. Welcome uh, Villa fans back to Villa Park with a oh, uh, yeah. stormer. But we will go one nil down within about four minutes. <laughs> oh, that will be interesting to see how the Villa fans react after. I'm, I'm by the way, I mean we haven't talked about it, but obviously extremely, extremely buzzing for the game yeah, on Saturday and, and walking time. up the Holt steps and, and being back at Villa Park properly. I didn't get to go to Chelsea game, unfortunately, but but you know just being back in the ground proper. Yeah, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. AJ, your your prediction, your thoughts on the game. Um, I'm, I think the team the guys have talked about is broadly what Smith will do. I'm a, I'm a bit nervous about um, Ings uh, playing off Watkins and kind of us being effectively even more open potentially than we were against um, uh, against Watford. But we are at home, and I do think we've got to try to figure out how we get all four of those exciting attacking players in there. Why not give it a go? It might not work out. We've still got plenty of the season to, to go to, to figure that out, and I think it is going to f- take a while to, to figure that out. I would keep targeting at left-back. 
Uh, I think it's a bit of a case of uh, a bit contrary to what Carl has just said, as it was for most of last season. I think if we score first and score reasonably early, I think we could win quite convincingly um, and keep them at arm's length for most of the game and, and hit them on the break. I'm just worried about the fact that they're not a possession team and they will sit off and they will pat the midfield and we don't generally have a particularly good record against teams that do that. Um, perhaps Newcastle being the exception, actually. Except, in except recent, them, yeah. In recent yeah. years. Um, so I think we will win, and I think if we score first and score early, then it could be convincing, but it does worry me if what happens against Watford happens and they score early, I think it might be a bit of a struggle. Um, but we we might just still have enough to come back and edge it, but uh, I would be far less confident if they score first. Sam, quick score prediction before we go into Villa Vault. 3-1 Villa. 3-1 Villa. Good. All right. Excellent. Let's, uh, let's push on then. Last uh, segment of the show, Villa Vault. Sam, all yours, mate. Right, lads. So I've got a game for you, and I want you to tell, tell, see if you can remember the score of this one, okay? So it's Villa home to Newcastle, okay? And the date is the 27th of August, 2006. Can anyone remember the score? Uh, yes, I do, because I was there. That Was that was that a home game? Martin O'Neill. Martin yeah. O'Neill's first home game? Oh, no, first, well, no was his first time. Second home game. Second home game. Uh, I mean, I, I know what it is. So, uh, yeah, AJ, same, mate. I don't, yeah, I don't I'm, 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 I'm going to have a guess. Uh, I haven't got a clue. Uh, Go on. 1-2-1. One, one. No. No, 2 nil, and it was yeah. one Pablo goal. Gabby push it. I remember Gabby sort of coming in from the right, just driving through midfield and playing the ball through. And then I think Luke Moore scored the second, was it? It's the other way round, but it's great Luke, memory, Omar. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Sorry. The other way around. More, more and Angel were the scorers, all right? So, let's have... Uh, right, Carl, mm. starting 11. Starting 11. Let's have your best stab at the starting oh, 11. Now. Um, I've just pulled it up, so don't ask me, because I'll be cheating. All right. Goalie at Sorensen? Correct. Um, right back. King Delacruz. <laughs> no, but it does. Uh, it, it does rhyme. It does rhyme with that. Aaron, but... Aaron Hughes. Aaron Hughes. Was it? Oh, Aaron. Aaron was Hughes. It? Aaron Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Malberg. Malberg. Yeah. Had, had we bought Larson? Yeah. We, we, we had, had, but criminally, yeah. criminally, he was, he was on the bench. What? Because yeah. because oh, Liam Ridgewell. Oh, oh, of course, the Ridge would keep him out, wouldn't they? So, so who was who was left back? Um, wow, Peter was it Jay Lloyd? Jay Lloyd? Was it Whittingham? Was it Whittingham? Whittingham. Was it? Yeah, may may rest in peace. Yeah, oh, uh, same with Jay Lloyd. And then um, uh, Gavin McCann mid- midfield. Gavin McCann's in midfield. Good lad. Uh, Luke Moore, Gabby. I know them two played. Did I start? Yeah, yeah. Angal. Uh, how many am I missing? You're missing uh, a midfield, two midfielders. Oh, did you say Barry two. already? No, no. Get, Bob McKenna, <laughs> Gareth Barry. All right, now you're missing one midfielder because I've given you one. Lee Andrew. No. no. On the Steve, Davi- Steve, on the Davis. Steve Davis. Steve Davis. Steve Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Played very well, if I remember right. Played very well, if I remember rightly, as well. I can't believe you sold him. He was. No, uh, I yeah. thought he was. I thought he was. He was really good under O'Neill and, and Gary Cahill as well. Yeah. Oh, let's not go. Let's not go into that. No, I've got. Go into that. No, so there's another question. On the, again for, for uh, Omar and Carl because uh, AJ's looking at it Jeez. in the Newcastle side okay or the new players that played for Newcastle that day uh, one two three uh, I've got links with Villa played for Villa who were they no four four played for Villa God Milner yep Genius Jermaine Genius no oh God uh, not Nolly uh, Solano yep uh, Shea Given Correct. Oh, who's the fourth? Shut up, Omar. Let, give me a chance. <laughs> uh, what the position is the other guy? He's a Midfield. Player. Omar? This will give you sleepless nights if you don't get this one, though. Oh, no. Who is it? Did he play for Villa after or before? That was after. a clue, by the way. That was a clue, by the way. 
Sleepless Nights, Sleepless in Seattle, Tom Hanks. Um... <laughs> oh, who played for? Who played? Came from Newcastle. Solano. We got Milner. We got. What's it called when you when you've got a lack of sleep? Amnesia. No. No. Oh, I mean, sorry. No. No, that's when you forget stuff. Forget that's, what stuff. You, that's what you've got at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, no amnesia. Insomnia. Oh, insomnia. Insomnia. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, so I was, at, I was at the game. I was at the game as well. Uh, it was a really great performance. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought we, we battered them. And I remember everybody was talking about how excellent uh, we were and how uh, Martins, who was their big new £10 million signing, who went off injured. Uh, and uh, he just didn't really get much change out of uh, Melbourne and Ridgewell at all. And it was just a, it was just a great performance. We were full of optimism because O'Neill had just taken over, and we hadn't really made any signings yet. But he was really getting a tune out of the players that had kind of failed a little bit under O'Leary. So it was a really optimistic uh, day at, at the office, and um, but only thirty five thousand there to see it, which is in stark contrast to uh, the full houses that I think we're going to see. This year, and I, I can only hope that um, you know it, it, it's similarly optimistic and similarly uh, positive results. But that was a that was a really good uh, performance, home performance against Newcastle like for the vault. Thanks for that, Sam. That's really uh, that was great. I like that. Well, let's let's just make sure that I like the the, the trivia part of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't I yeah. didn't like it. <laughs> right. Look thanks. at AJ's uh, face. <laughs> AJ, stop cheating on Google, mate. Uh, right. Well, I just know I'm never going to know any of the answers, so I might as well have a look and let right. you guys. I'm pretty certain uh, I was at that game. Can't uh, remember a bit of it. I, I don't remember whether I was at it or not. I may well have been. I used to go to a lot of games then. So anyway, right, let, let's uh, let's wrap up. Um, I'd, uh, I've got to catch a train. So uh, thanks, boys. I, I really enjoyed that. I like the uh, new format of the show. I'm looking forward to f- for some of your future trivia, Sam, uh, with the Villa Vault. So uh, look forward to that next week. Uh, we'll be back. Um, so, like I said, we're going to do a, a different kind of post-match review now. We're going to get fan fans' views immediately after the match, sort of a few minutes each. They're going to send me a few voice voice notes and, and just get their thoughts on the match, and then I'll sort of mesh them together. And then we'll have this weekly pod, which will be the sort of fuller hour, normally about an hour, where we'll go through the sort of the week week's events and, and the next match. So, thanks, boys. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, listening to your excellent insight and thoughts. Uh, Please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Villa Podcast or one word. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening and uh, up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. I'm going to